What's up, everybody? Welcome back to a new episode of the Antler Up podcast. We are on episode 73, and on today's episode, Dimitri and I sit down and have a conversation with our good friend, Bill Harvey, with Pertnir Outdoors. I've been excited to have Bill on the podcast again to dive into his 2020 hunting season where he was extremely successful filling his New York tags with two bucks, three does, and a turkey this past spring. We dive into all the strategies that he used on public land to shoot his archery and rifle buck that related to the hunting conditions, knowing his doe groups, hunting with a purpose, and right before we get into all that talk, we discuss what is happening right now, Total Archery Challenge in Seven Springs. We'll be hanging out, doing some fun stuff together, so have a look out on our Instagrams to see what we're up to. So enjoy this episode, everybody. Thanks for checking it out. Till next time, Antler Up. And before we get into that episode, I want to thank our partners over at Shea Butler Knives. And Shea makes custom everyday carry knives with the Rhino or the Pursuit. His Ranger and Whitetail knives are amazing. And right now he has the Featherlight coming out. Shea's creativity, high quality materials, and functional but yet unique designs has his precise leather work, makes his products that will last a lifetime. I love them. We'll be giving one out at Total Archery Challenge. So check out uh, what we have going on. Check out SheaButlerKnives.com. Give him a follow. Unbelievable individual. So check him out. SheaButlerKnives.com. Also want to thank our partners over at Onyx Hunting App. It's the number one hunting app that you can download. So whether you're dropping waypoints, tracking to see the distance between bedding to a food source, that's something that we're doing right now because we're going to go to a different state early, early season. Hopefully get a chance at a velvet buck or just put some meat in the freezer. Onyx has everything and more to have you covered. Also, don't forget if you sign up now with an elite membership, you get an exclusive member benefits to top rut exo mountain gear vortex and many more great companies so go download onyx hunt app at onyxmaps.com again we'll be giving away some stuff so check us out on our instagram at total archery challenge we're going to be giving away at least man at least 15 onyx memberships Last but not least, let's thank our partners over at America's Best Bow Strings. We have a set of the Platinum Series strings on our bows, and we love the quality and the performance. You can design them however you see fit. Go matchy-matchy if you want. Hand-built in the USA since 2006. They are the only strings I would have on my bow. I love them. Thank you, everybody over there, because guess what? We'll be giving away a Platinum set this weekend. So check them out over at americasbestbowstrings.com. We got Bill Harvey on from Pertner Outdoors, uh, return guest. We've been on his uh, twice, and we have a eventful weekend. Bill, why don't we just? Uh, I know I want to definitely talk about we, you and I, before we we started coming up with the idea of having this podcast. Let's get the Total Archery Challenge just info done, just because this will be airing this week. So when you hear yeah. this tomorrow. Hey, if you're down in uh, Seven Springs or on your way uh, and you're listening, thank you, one, for the support just because you, you know, you're listening. But then, two, you will be able to find Dimitri and I, Mike, uh, Jimbo, um, you know, Jim D'Agostino, Bill, and all his crew. So we're going to be at Total Archery Challenge, and I'll, I'll be there. Dimitri and I will be there Friday uh, and Saturday, I'll be there Sunday through Sunday. Dimitri's heading out, uh, Saturday evening, right? Late. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike will be there till Sunday. Jim will be there through Sunday. And then Bill, what, what, what days are you going to be there? 
Sunday to, or till Sunday. Okay. We're going to get there. We're going to leave here midday Friday. Um, it's almost, I think it's almost a five hour drive down. Okay. Uh, last time we came straight down, taking the scenic route, uh, avoiding Pittsburgh and just going like straight 219 South out of New York into like Bradford and then straight South through there. But yep. that took a long time, all the stoplights and everything. So the way home was definitely quicker, but yeah, we should be down there probably five, five thirty on Friday night and get everything set up and hang out a bit and what the heck you setting up you said setting up so what, what are you setting up what what, well, what are we doing what i mean that's because that's what i want to talk about just that way if people see us around what you know come hang out with us come shoot the shit and say hello and have fun yeah so what we're planning to do is the you uh you got your room booked up we got our room booked up and jim has a room for him and his buddy so we got three rooms for sure at, yeah. right at the hotel there um, and we all booked pretty early and we requested to have, uh, ground floor rooms, which we had in 2019 when we went and it was awesome. Like we wish we would have the way we did it the last time we kind of like rushed down there. We got there like five o'clock on Saturday night and then we just started drinking beers and then we drank all night long <laughs> and then we had to shoot on Sunday at like eight 30 or nine o'clock in the morning. And you know, that's just, well, I'll never do that again. Um, I'll always, if I do this sort of stuff, I'll always try to go down, shoot during the day on Saturday, hang out Saturday night and then come home Sunday. Um, but what, what we're planning to do is we requested, we haven't been guaranteed ground floor rooms, but I would think one of the three of us at least will get one. Yeah. And, uh, I'm bringing my, my, uh, camp chef grill and, uh, pop-up tent and, you know, I think you guys, we're all just going to kind of, we've been texting back and forth. Everything's going to bring a little bit of different food. So I think we're just going to have kind of a, just, Hey, like we're here. Like if anybody, we're going to hang out. So, you know, what's going to be, anybody, you know, what's going to be really cool. It's going to be just us hanging out. No one's going to come by. I know exactly. <laughs> There's nobody even listening. Yeah. I know. <laughs> I know. No, I, I'm like, so last, I mean, everybody's probably heard the stories about how we met with mm -hmm. Jim D, but yeah. I mean, we wouldn't, I don't know. I mean, you may never have met Jim if you didn't connect with him through us. Yeah. And we met him at total archery challenge, just sitting out on our patio, drinking beers, dude. And, and, and I mean, I piggyback, I wouldn't have had the cojones to want to start something, what we're doing right now, if it wasn't honestly for tack either. So it yeah. was kind of, you know, the, I mean, I think we, I hopefully I, I want to say we would have just because Dimitri and I talked about it before, but I feel like the official push off the ledge was, was total archery challenge for me. So yeah. And that's to me what the, what the total archery challenge has been about, um, is about the networking. I'm anybody who listens to our show or has listened to me on here. Like I just, I'm a salesman. I like to network. I like to make friends. I like to, you know, reach outside the box and interact with new people. And there's no better event than yeah. to go to the total archery challenge because everybody's there for the right, for the same reasons, everybody loves archery. You're not going to, you know, set a weekend aside to go do something like this if you're not passionate about it. So it's just a ton of good, like-minded people and people that are, you know, whether they are trying to do something in the industry and they're not already. And, you know, some of those guys, you know, like I know Sam Soholt was a huge one for yeah. us, you know, yeah. and Bo, um, we, we sat and we met Sam at Bo's tent, uh, down in the little village there. And, um, you know, we had been talking about the same thing. Like you said, we've been talking about doing a podcast, but it was, 
it was Bo and Sam being supportive of us to do it. And it's like, well, I mean, if these guys are saying to just do it, well, then we should just try it, you know? And it's not like we're, you know, we joke about being a net loss organization. Like we are, we're doing this for the fun of doing it. We're not doing this (laughs) at this this point for, for making any money, you know? That's right, man. So it's, that's what I'm excited about. I'm excited to, I've never personally met you or Dimitri, but we've, we all interact so closely that, uh, you know, this is our opportunity to meet you guys. And then there's other people that I know are going to be there that I haven't had a chance to meet that I've been interacting with that I'm really stoked to shake their hand and say what's up in person, you know? Yeah, I agree. What's kind of funny is I want to see how it is when we finally get shake hands, just because the, the tethered event back on May 15th, when I had the chance to meet Jim, I mean, Jim and I, you know, FaceTime, we talk on the phone, like just, you know, kind of doing what, what we do. And when I met him, there was like, honest to God, man, like it felt he's been one of our friends for the longest time. I don't know. I think, I think what we need to do is, is do a giveaway. If, if the first person yeah. comes to our cookout and says, I heard about you guys having this on the podcast, we'll give them some, something away. Yeah. Yeah. We got, because to. then we can laugh when no one comes by and there's no, yeah. <laughs> there's no winner. Yeah. A little sticker give, pack. There we go. We, yeah, exactly. Give him a give him a feeding him sticker, and we'll shotgun a beer. How about yeah, that? Yeah, we'll we'll give him an antler up sticker too and stuff. Yeah. So hey, if you're listening, come come by and you know tell us like Dimitri said. Well, so yes, yeah, so we so yeah, we'll be at attack. We're gonna have a bunch of fun, a ton of fun, and do all that stuff. So I wanted to get that kind of just out of the way. Well, and you guys. So I think we're all kind of shooting together, kind of sort of. Yes. Right. Yeah. So on so you guys are the group right before us. Yep. And we're shooting. What are we shooting? Yeti. Yeah, so that's the the locals course, and we have a sign, and I thought it was going to be on Yeti. Like my contracts said, it was on Yeti, but then Rob, I texted Rob the other day. He's like, well, "I'll find a spot for you on one of the courses." And I was like, "Oh, all right." Like, whatever one. So I don't even know what which what sign. I was kind of hoping it was going to be on Yeti because that was the first course we were going through. And so anyway, I I have to. I'll keep everybody posted. We're going to be doing giveaways. America's best bowstrings uh, partnered with us. Obviously, one of our you know our close working uh, partners that we deal with and they're going to be giving away a platinum series set of strings and what we're going to do for that giveaway so i'll you know kind of talk about that just quickly is you know follow us follow america's best bowstrings and just uh honestly we're going to put up a post and as long as you like it and tag people like a friend or you follow us we're going to give away uh you know the platinum series set of strings which is their top of the line we're going to have uh, at least 10 to 15 Onyx memberships to give away uh, yeah. from uh, from Jared over there at Onyx. And then we have a knife to be given away from Shea Butler Knives. So, and then possibly uh, Antler Up Hat. We'll see what I got in Vittori wise. So, sweet. Yeah, man. So that's what we that's got awesome. going on. And like you said, so we're going to be shooting Saturday morning. Uh, we're going to be actually shooting with Brian from America's best bowstrings. Uh, it'll be us three plus Mike, and then you and Jim are right behind us. And then we figured we'll probably get off and get something to eat quick and probably get back on. I would think, uh, maybe shoot another course that day. Yeah. So explain that. Cause I was messaging with a guy today and, um, that I know from here in New York, that's going to be there. Yeah. And he was saying after, after 12 noon, you can kind of just go out and shoot whatever. Yeah. 
if yeah. it's open. Yeah. So basically, like your like your your knock time is for that specific course, but then after that, because everybody's kind of getting done, you could kind of it's like a you know free for all. Like go find a course that you want. Uh, so I haven't decided on like which course for Saturday, but then I think on Sunday, Jim and I are planning to shoot together knock on course. So, yeah. So, I mean, I mean, I'll shoot like if Dimitri before he goes says, Hey, I want to shoot the knock on course. Like I'll shoot it Saturday. I'll and shoot it again Sunday. Like it don't matter to me. Yeah. I just, I just want to shoot. So, um, I'd like to take the lift up. That's what my brother and I were talking. Yeah. You know, I think the course we're doing is the same one we did last year okay. or last two years ago. Yeah. So I wouldn't mind taking a trip up the lift to go do something. Well, you know? I, I was just telling Dimitri cause we shot today with Ian and uh because ian's going actually thursday and the locals course you had to take a lift up to it two oh, years that's ago. right yeah yeah because yeah, yeah. i remember yeah, so we we did that we did the mountain ops course yeah uh last time and i don't know i don't know which one yeah. that was i don't know yeah that was the one that was the mountain ops course was the one <laughs> right where the pavilions are and everything like all the tents and everything you could look up a little bit dimitri and there was the first shot and it was an uphill white ram 70 like yards. 70 no, yards. It was, a, it was a muley. It oh, was a muley. okay. It was a muley. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. That was your first shot. Right every, off the bat. Right off the bat, and everybody's looking at you. Well, that's what looking at the Total Archery Challenge Instagram page today. Some of those shots they were posting oh, look yeah. pretty gnarly. Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was, I think that was maybe the best shot I made the entire weekend was uh, <laughs> that, first, was that first target. Yeah. 70 yards up, and it was, it was a tough shot because you're shooting uphill. And it's into the, it was into the shade of the trees. Yeah, and I mean it was. I'll just be honest. I mean it was a it was a lucky shot. You know, <laughs> the whole rest of the time, I'm I'm pretty excited to shoot, and because I haven't shot a lot. Um, but like last year we went, I say keep saying last year, two years ago we went. Um, we didn't really get a chance to like just kind of relax and settle in. Yeah. Uh, you know, we got there, we got right after it. And then we woke up, felt like garbage and then hit the range for like 10 arrows and then went and did the, the course and everything felt rushed. So I think my goal coming up this weekend is like, I want to have a good time, but I think I'm going to try to try to behave myself <laughs> Friday night and then have a real good time Friday or Saturday when we're done. Yeah. You know, I think that's my plan, but go and shoot the, the target range, make sure I'm comfortable before I go out there and just start ripping stuff off, you yeah. know? Yeah. No, man, I'm excited. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. So yeah, so check us out. People we will we'll be more than happy to, uh, you know, say hello and, and hang out with us. Well, Bill, let's get down. I want to talk about your past season, man. Cause congrats, dude, you had a fantastic, phenomenal season all fall spring. You got a Turkey down, um, you know, don't quote me on your numbers, but I know you had two bucks down, uh, rifle, archery, three or four doe. Three doe. Three doe. And then yep. you then the the nice little big old uh Tom a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Yep. So congrats, man. That's a heck of a season. Yeah, it's been the whole turkey thing is I mean, that's pure luck. I can't put a whole lot of uh skill involved. I I I think the more I I pay attention to turkey hunting, the more it's like just trying to pay attention to their, to their patterns and then just kind of pick your opportunity to attack on them. But I, uh, that's the most recent kill. And that one I'm, I'm not, uh, like going to sit here and be like, Oh yeah, I freaking work super hard for that. Cause it was like, (laughs) 
it was like, I'm going to walk out here and sit in my blind and see what happens. Well, when the one thing that I took away and I said it to Dimitri and Dimitri will, will jump in on stuff. When you and I talked on the phone to set this, this up and I said about, well, I want to talk about your, your hunting season with, with the whitetail and how you said they were both on public land and you, for, for what you do, having a podcast, you interview guests, you are always getting the information from them. So you haven't had that opportunity yet to really talk about, but what you said to me was, uh, along the lines of, Hey, I was having these guests on, I'm learning, I'm listening to other podcasts and I was putting, you know, the pieces together to on this puzzle. And I was in the right spot at the right time when these puzzle pieces came together and it worked. It, I had success and it was on two great, awesome deer. Um, so I do, I want you to just dive into it, man. Like just talk about, I mean, obviously your archery buck came first. So, um, if you want, like, just give a little bit of the background of that, everything with that, you know, how long, cause I know you, like you said, you've been kind of going on this property for two years and putting in the work and trail cameras, just kind of walk us through. And then, like I said, I know Dimitri will, you know, say, Hey, hope, and then get, you know, chime in and ask more. Yeah. Um, and it is kind of, it's cool to like have an opportunity to talk about this because I find when you have your own podcast, you very rarely try to even, you know, you kind of like not try not to talk about yourself because you don't want to be a self-centered ass. Um, but like, it's cool to talk, talk about these stories and kind of tell how it all went down, but, you know, kind of starting right from the beginning of archery season, um, you know, I, I knew I wasn't going to have a ton of time. That was probably the number one thing I knew was that work was very, very busy. I had no PTO time left because of COVID. So uh, this is just coming to my mind. Like I, I burned all my PTO time when I was furloughed because of COVID. So I had zero days off. Um, I had a couple paid family leave days that I used from my daughter being in her first year. Um, but that was all that I had really for PTO. So what I typically like to do, and this is, this has kind of developed over the last, I would say maybe six years, um, six, seven years since I've really gotten heavy into it and started putting up some better numbers as far as kills. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to try to get a doe killed or a deer, I'm, but it typically is a doe the first week or two of season uh, of archery because I just want to get the cobwebs brushed off get the confidence under my belt. Um, so that's been something that been very interesting to look back at the history over the last several years and especially having like, you know, the social media stuff or the, the memories that pop up. It's like almost the first, like around the seventh or eighth or the, or the 13th or 14th that I'm shooting my first deer. And it's been a doe every year, uh, since I probably six years ago. So like that same thing happened this year, I had a Friday night and I had, 45 minutes to an hour and wife got home from work. I ran out the door, jumped in it, jumped in a tree and just, you know, it's just luck. I mean, a lot of this stuff is luck, but it's also knowing the way that the deer always use the property, what they've been doing, just kind of paying attention to that. So I ended up getting a doe. Now this was, I don't, was this on your, like your property? On my in-laws. Yep. So where I live, my in-laws, I'm very fortunate. I, I, uh, it was not intentional. I truly love my wife, but I freaking, <laughs> I, I locked out big time because her family, they're, they're, uh, now retired dairy farmers. Um, 
and they've got some prime land here in Western New York that, you know, I'm part of the gang now and uh, we've got that property right here to hunt. So yeah, I shot that doe. Um, we had, there's uh, four of us to hunt the farm here and it's not a ton of, it's like maybe 150 acres total of woods. Um, and that might be pushing it, you know, with it, if you added everything together, it might be 150 acres, but it's a lot of open fields and hedgerows. And so that you really, it's tough to hunt, you know? So when we look at it, we're looking at a, a three month window and it's like, you know, we've got four or five of us that want to hunt here for the next three months. You know, we can't press in super hard here. So, you know, we try to, we all are on the same page that we really try to work from the outside in and uh, you know, basically just start as far away from where we know the deer are bedding and living and start working our way in. Um, so I shot that doe. That was awesome. Got some meat in the freezer. Everything was good there. Uh, just really, one question before you move on from that doe kill, uh, you know, you talk about the first week or two, you're trying to harvest that doe. So that's kind of your goal at the beginning of the season. Now, uh, are you shifting the, like maybe where you're hunting or how you're hunting those first two weeks specifically for a doe, or are you just kind of high traffic areas, uh, that, you know, these deer are going to filter into, and then you're just willing to take that first mature doe that kind of walks past you. Yeah. Good question. Uh, it's really kind of, we all just focusing on evenings. Uh, we've really, I think we've all kind of gotten more educated over the last several years especially Brian Dallas and I, that we really are avoiding mornings because we were just having an awful time of always bumping deer because we have to walk through food to get to our, our stands. So I think we were doing more harm than good by hunting those mornings. Uh, and a lot of that is honestly just Dallas and I listening to podcasts and hearing, you know, big name guys talk about how and when they hunt mornings. Um, but then in the evenings, the property sets up perfectly because the food's all out front. The food is, you know, easy to access. So we just set up and, you know, we just, you know, there have been a few times Brian shot several bucks in the first, uh, in the first week of season, just, you know, in the right place, the right time A group of bucks come through or, and he gets an opportunity. So like, it's not out of the chance that you might see a buck, but we really are just trying to almost avoid a situation of seeing a buck because we just want to get a doe. We don't want to be very abrasive as far as shooting her in an area where she might run into a bedding area and we're going to stink it up and blow stuff out, you know? So like that doe I shot, she, she came out in, it was a cornfield that was cut and it had winter wheat planted and they were hitting the, the winter wheat was maybe like three inches tall. And she came on a line. It was wild. Just came right out of the front of the woods where they're bedding and she came like, why would you come to where, where I am? Like it made no sense for her, but she came with two yippers and came right across the field. And, uh, she gave me a 20 yard, uh, about slightly quartering shot. And, uh, with, with the setup, I think we're using similar setups with the yeah. broadheads with my iron wheel broadheads. It's like, I don't think twice about if I've got shoulder, uh, quartering two or quartering away or broadside, I don't, I don't even think twice. And that's why I, I have so much more confidence now with that setup. So anyway, I shot her. She never even left the field. She died right in the middle of the field. So I didn't have to worry about it messing up anything. And that's perfect. That's exactly what we're looking to do because we don't have to really booger up the property too much, you know? So we try to get a couple of those shot early 
And then we'll, and then we just solely back off and focus on bucks and, you know, trail cameras have played a big part in, uh, in us with our strategy as we move into the season. But, um, I don't know if that answered your question, Dimitri, but yeah. Yeah. So that was that I wanted to get that. So that those story, she's out of the way, but so going back to the property where I, it's the state land, uh, that I've been hunting for three years now. So I've been, you mentioned, like, I, I don't want, I wouldn't want to leave someone out that of people that I've taken information from and processed and tried to put it to plan on the property that I'm focusing on. But there's, you know, just to name a few from your state, probably the two of the biggest name guys being Steve Shirk and Bo Martonic, you know, both are mountain buck guys. And probably one of the most valuable things I've ever done in my hunting career was going and spending three hours with Steve Shirk and paying him some greenbacks and having him walk us around and show us and tell us, you know, why and how and what he's seeing these bucks do. So like, that was a huge, I swear, like that was a huge part. We did that last May, May of 2020. And that was a huge reason for my success going into this deer season, because I, I was able to like, and you guys might be able to relate to this. There was things that were starting to click in my head that I was seeing but it's like, am I just thinking this or, or is this, am I, am I on the right track? So that time I spent with Steve Dallas and I went down there. It was, it wasn't so much that he was telling us things that were like, Oh my God, we've never heard this, but it was like seeing with your eyes, the situations that he's hunting these bucks in. And like, it was validating the things that I was seeing in the property that I was scouting. I don't know if that makes sense to you guys, but that was like a huge thing for me was just the confidence factor, you know? Yeah. So that, uh, that piece of property that, like I said, this is my third year hunting it and I've had incredible luck. There's a ton of deer on this property. It's tough to hunt. It's all uphill, you know, to get the access it's from the bottom up, not from the top down. So I think that kind of deters some people from, from hunting that because no matter what you do, if you want to get up to the top, you're going to have a mile and a half hike at almost probably 650 to 700 feet of elevation gain. So it's a hump, you know, whether you're doing it in the morning, um, or during the day, as if you're going up to hunt. And, uh, so I've spent countless, I mean, I wish I would have kept track of how many hours I've spent hiking there. Uh, and I was, I was just hiking there. I wasn't doing a ton with trail cameras to start, but I was just like super focused on trying to understand. I took one kind of swath of the property where there seemed to be the most deer sign. And there was an area that had some real, like, it was almost extremely, maybe one of the most obvious bedding areas I've ever seen, uh, in the area that I hunt in the finger lakes, it was just like, just perfect bedding. Just, you had knobs, super, super thick, very defined edges all the way around it and started putting the pieces together over the last few years, uh, of the sign that I was seeing and where it was coming and, and going. You know, and so I had hunted there two years in a row on opening day of gun. And I shot each time I went in there on opening day, I shot does. I never, I only, I seen a couple bucks, okay, but I didn't have any, any encounters with anything that was, you know, either worth me shooting in my opinion, you know, something that really tripped my trigger. And I'm like, Dimitri said, if I see a buck, you know, especially right now, if I see a buck that I'm happy with, I'm not, I'm not passing because I don't have 
enough property to control where those deer are going. And, you know, if the opportunity presents itself, I'm going to take advantage of it. So, um, fast forward to this year, I had kind of started to put some pieces together on exactly what was going on in this, that summer of 2020, I put up some trail cameras. Um, that was a huge key to me starting to really put the pieces together in this property. So I, around that bedding area, I was telling you about, I put a couple different, I had one cell cam because it was a spot where I could get some cell service and I created some mock scrapes, um, some stuff that Steve had taught us when we were down there, what he was doing with just rope. And, uh, like, he just was like, yeah, just take this rope. And he was like taking, uh, like plastic, um, like grapevines that you would like, or not grapevines, but leaves just to give it like, a some texture. Um, so I went and I bought some stuff on Amazon, you know, some little fake leaves and stuff. And I made my own, uh, made my own little licking branches. And, uh, so I got those set up and man, I started getting bucks that were coming in. And there were some, there were some like really, really big bucks. And they were very habitual in there throughout August and into September. Um, unfortunately, a lot of those deer, they, they all broke up and, and went their way. It seemed like when velvet came off, they really started to kind of break up and separate. And a lot of those bucks I never saw again. Now, um, now can you describe, you said some things started clicking on this piece of property. You found that bedding area and you kind of realized where they were going from that. Can you kind of dive into some detail of someone that might be hunting similar area of a, of a mountain like that, of, you know, what you were looking for and what you found that these were, these deer were doing in that area that kind of made sense and, and kind of led you to where you're putting your trail cameras. Yeah. Um, so I would say first and foremost, I was focusing on the does. Um, that's where my focus was because I figured if I was going to have opportunity to kill bucks here, it was going to be during the rut because of the does. Cause I knew where the does were hanging um, around that bedding area. The does were the most consistent. The bucks were kind of hit or miss. So I wasn't feeling the confidence that I knew where the bucks were bedding. And I still, to this day, couldn't tell you that I know that I found a buck bed. You know, I found some incredible buck sign, but I can't say that I know where the bucks are bedding. Um, so the way that this property lays out is that, so you got that bedding area that I'm telling you about, and then to the South of it, it gets into just wide open hardwoods. And, and I don't know about you guys, but like I fall in love with rub lines and open hardwoods. And that was something that Steve was very adamant about because I asked him that question. I said, you know, I'm finding, you know, you go on, you have all these little benches on these side Hills and you're finding these rub lines and you're like, you know, you're walking it during the winter and you're like, Oh my God, look at the size of that rub. I got to get in here and hang a stand. And that stuff's made at night you know, you might get a random wandering buck through there, but through those wide open hardwoods, like Steve calls them dead zones. And I've heard a lot of other people say the same thing in the big woods is that there's areas that you just need to turn and burn. You know, if you're, if you're scouting and hiking, it's like, yeah, there's some great sign here, but probably the majority of it's made at night. And that's not something you're ever going to really have an opportunity to hunt on. So like, I kind of like crossed all that right off because I was like, that's, it's a huge area. It's expansive and there's no like concentration of sign there. Is, there's a lot of sign, but it's not like concentrated to an area. Um, so what I started doing around that bedding was I kind of started just 
focusing on the, it'd be the South side of the betting, the betting runs East and West up and down the Hill. And I actually traced it out on base map and made and figured out what the area was of, I think it was like 11 acres of, of betting, which is pretty fantastic in a, in a big wood setting. Yeah. So what I did was I, and I, you guys, and I keep saying you guys, but I, I think a lot of hunters, especially guys our age that are focused on, on like finding, finding sign, finding data. Like every time I find a scrape, a rub, anything, you know, not every single rub, but if I find like a real big rubber, a really distinct line, like I start marking all that stuff on my map. So what I had done over this, that, you know, it's now three years, but that two years leading into the season, I had like just, I had freaking waypoints all over the damn place. And then I had traced out around that, uh, that betting area. So I had like almost a, a clear image of these rub lines going into the bedding rub lines, you know, coming from each side, North and South side of it. I knew where I had found scrapes. Um, and I had marked some spots that I liked for stands and things like that were like certain pieces of topography. Cause in there, it's a lot of these little knobs and bowls and stuff that deer could kind of hide away in. So as I started working around that bedding, you know, I found those, the one spot where I put the camera, the cell cam, where I was getting tons of pics, there was a, a trail that was just, I mean, it's just beat down and it just looked like over time, you know, nothing was growing there. The, the deer, whether they were browsing off any of the, the new growth that was happening or what, I mean, it was bone dry, but this is like down to dirt. Jeez. And I'm like, okay, they're using this like heavily. And so I put a camera on that and that's where I put that, that mock scrape just to catch them. And I actually had a crossing there. There was a trail that was coming down from the top of the hill, dropping over and crossed at that point. So I had the camera kind of at a crossing and I actually got a, a freaking ton of activity that was daylight activity there. So I know that the deer were probably coming into that was on the south side and deer were often coming into the bedding, you know, at 7, 730 in the morning. So, you know, and that's some of those big bucks were doing that, but they stopped doing that once the velvet came off. So that I think they just shifted to a different they were living somewhere else once the velvet came off. But that was my, that was my focus was like finding the points along that side. And I, for whatever reason, I don't, I didn't really have a good reason, but I focused my energy on that South side of the, well, I guess I did have a reason. I had heard somebody a couple of years ago talk about getting on the downwind side. If you get a North wind during the rut, getting on the downwind side of a doe bedding area and you will have incredible hunts because, and I, I heard that. And I want to say that was back in like 2017 and I'd heard it and it was right around like the first November I'd heard it might've been wired to hunt or somebody like that. And I was like, I'm going to enact it. We've got a North wind coming. First time I ever tried it. I had a freaking awesome buck come in right behind me and I missed him. The shot was, I was probably, I was in a portable and it dropped off below me into the swamp and he was in the swamp like directly below me, I missed him. Um, it was like a, probably a four yard shot and I shot right underneath him. Um, it'll haunt me. I've kept several of those stories, but, um, <laughs> that that's what I'm trying to like get to the point you're asking yeah. Dimitri. And I think that's what it was. Like I was focusing for that area of that property for a North wind during the rut. Like that's, that's what I was focusing on in that area. So I was just up and down. I, I know that that, 
that south side of that brush, I know it like the back of my hand at this point because I just like I'm up and down through there scouting, you know, and just trying to find like where each one of the spots are. So I knew I shot my doe. I kind of laid back. I spent a lot of time with the wife and kids throughout the middle of the month because historically it's not been productive for me. So I just didn't spend my energy there. And I was just watching the, watching the weather and hoping and praying to God. And sure enough, um, I had Friday the the 30th off and I was going to spend a three day weekend at camp and Friday, the 30th, I had a North wind and it was like cold 30, like upper thirties, kind of rainy. So it was super quiet. And that was, it just all lined up. And that's when I, I had it in there, um, on that, on that day on the 30th to try to make it happen. Cause it, everything was lining up based off of all the, all the scouting I had done and the weather, the time of the season, everything was perfect. So I don't know, before I get into that, I don't know if there's anything yeah, else I, that I didn't cover there. No, it's just like, just, you know, kind of like more personal type questions like about that is like how you talked about it being kind of harder to access. And if you really want to get in there, it's got to earn that and really put in work for that. Are, do, are you like when during hunts, are you seeing pressure at all? Not during archery. No. Archery, and I can only speak for the areas that I'm hunting here. Yeah. For uh, the public areas is that, I mean, I haven't had any competition during archery. Gun season, totally different game. But I, I've embraced it. It's like, okay, so I know there's going to be pressure, so what am I going to do? And that plays into my into my, my gun story. But, yeah, yeah, like I've I've paid a ton of attention, and I drive around you know, I, I sell, uh, traveling salesmen. So like I'll strategically like take routes where I have to drive by some of my hunting areas to see if there's people out and about, there's nobody there. Well, that's what so, I, I feel like f- for Dimitri and I, the one thing that I want to focus on and man, I, I mean, I'll admit like it, like I said, uh, this year we had baseball. So last year during COVID, you know, it was non-existent. So he and I were able, we were able to get out a lot. We haven't really, gotten out much i mean we only uh, we only had hunted turkey together twice i mean i was like i legit hunted turkey twice it was the first two weekends and that was it um but so like scouting hasn't really been a big as much as i have been in the past now uh i had an opportunity to go back home but the one thing that i want to focus on for he and i is the entry routes just because we talked about it before on a podcast i mean we kind of we hunt like a, a circle where every which way and direction you can, there's someone could come that way. Like there's, only, you know what I mean? Uh, like if you are coming in from that other side and you want to get to, you know, from the right, from the east side all the way to the west, someone could, from the west side could come right there and meet you there in two minutes. Like, well, and this is something that I, again, archery is tough because archery is a different game than gun. Gun, yeah. you can you can hunt based off of other hunters, but archery, you can't, I mean, I'm, I'm sure, I guess you can, but it's, it's different. You, you take that rifle out of your hands and you have to be so much more personal with that deer. Yeah. But, um, what I started doing this off season is I have a few pieces of property, uh, public that I want to start kind of spreading my wings on a little bit just to have a couple other options. And I actually went on and I started marking cabins on the property that boards the public 
I started marking them and then looking at like where I could come in and saying like, okay, like where are, if these guys are coming, I'm expecting that they're probably not going to walk that far. So where are they going to go? And then kind of plan plan where I want to focus my energies from there. And guess what? I go to those spots where I figure it's the hardest spot for them to get to. And that's where all the deer sign is. And it's like, huh? Okay. So that's, what's going on here. You know, like people yeah. are, you're going to have a few guys that are going to, that are going to go above and beyond, but the majority of hunters are just weekend warriors and they're going to just kind of take a stroll and yeah. they're not looking to kill themselves. Yeah. Cause I, I, when we were during archer season, when it was, the rut was just kicking uh, like crazy. We were just seeing a ton of deer movement. I won't forget. Like he saw a beautiful buck chocolate, you know, just everything about it was just from him. It just sounded majestic. And I remember being up there and I saw some deer and then it took a break and this was midday already. And I was just sit- sitting there and I, you know, heard some movement and I turned the other way and I saw a person coming from the whole different direction. I'm like, where in the living you know, did this dude come from? Cause he's coming, like he's wa- had to have walked miles unless he came from like the camp and just made like a different L shit. You know what I mean? Like, but coming from, that was the least, sp- like the, the, the spot where I, I thought the least someone would come from. And that's where an individual came from. And I, it just blew my mind. And that's, again, that's why I think about it. Like, okay, if we want to get here, I mean. Well, and I, I think a lot of it is, is, you always think if you if you just dive deeper, there's going to be less pressure and more deer. And I, I don't think that's always the case. Right. And like you talked about is there's always where we're hunting, there's always somewhere else someone could come in about the same distance and meet you in the middle. So you're, it's very hard to dive that, that distance. And, and when you do, it's, it that does, doesn't mean that's where all the deer are. And I think we have to look at it in a different perspective of, you know, where the people are putting the pressure on in these areas because the bucks are still close to whether it's houses or where other people are hunting. I mean, there's a lot of nice mature bucks that are still hanging out there, whether there's a ton of pressure or not. So you just kind of got to focus your, your hunt on how they're using that piece of ground and not so much diving deeper in, but maybe, you know, taking a different access route and hunting the the opposite side of the, the thicket where he's trying to kind of escape out, um, where he finds there's less pressure and he feels a little bit more comfortable. So I think, you know, we almost need to look at a lot of these proppers in a smarter way versus, you know, just trying to find a pin on the map that's as far as we can and then hunting that area. Yeah. 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 yeah don't lose sight where the other people can come from because how often are you like, yeah, I'm going to get way back. And then it's like, well, at some point this is going to border something or somebody can come in from a parking area on the other side or whatever. Um, and I think like you just learn how people use it over. And I don't think last year is a good, is a good gauge of what the future will be in a lot of these spots because there was so many people with so much time. Yeah. Um, it's, I mean, well, Turkey season, especially, but I heard like the area in PA that we hunt um, talking to a few locals, like, it was just chaos down there last year. Like they, they haven't seen, it's good um, to see people out hunting again, but like they hadn't seen hunter numbers like that hunting state game lines in a long time. So, I mean, as much as we all want to see the hunter numbers grow, you know, you you don't want to see somebody in your spot, you know? So it's like, 
you know, it's kind of a delicate uh, balance there, but well, you just got to figure out how to hunt other people's pressure, you know? Well, Dimitri, like you even like how you just said about how we had have to hunt smarter. You know, we looked at it as there was a couple times earlier last year where we did go where we thought kind of like where we would go during the rut. We were more up on top uh, of that mountain where we didn't see really any deer. Mm-hmm. And then when we were hunting down below, kind of like Bill, like where close to closer to camps, closer to a field, closer to entry routes, man, like that's where we hunted a lot of. And we saw a deer and we just kept hunting that opportunities. And we were just looking at, you know, wh- where are they trails and kind of intersecting and kind of try to piece things together. And, uh, you know, I got a doe doing that and we had opportunities on bucks during times. Well, and I think especially in the early season, I think, I, I don't know if it's because of the pressure or if it's just because there's so much information and podcasts and uh, YouTube videos that we kind of tend to overthink things now, you know, maybe we try to put too much strategy now that we have Onyx and, you know, which these are all great tools and and strategies, but I think sometimes you, you get the gears running and, and you just look at these and, and try to come up with this perfect plan and you overlook where the deer actually are and how they're moving. And I think sometimes when you keep it a little bit more simple, you know, you're going to be more yeah. successful, especially early on in the season. Yeah. So Bill, so that 30th, the weather lined up perfect. You got the wind that you needed. You know, what, mm-hmm. where, where did you, uh, I mean, obviously not where, but like what led you to your spot and, and your shot opportunity? Yeah. So like my approach that day and I'm just, as we were talking, I'm thinking, so something unique and I don't, I know the areas of PA I've been to, there's a lot of like, it's not very direct line ridges. You have a lot of these like spur ridges and all these different valleys and directions. Like, so it's very tough. The wind is very hard to hunt down there. The wind's hard to hunt here, but in the finger lakes region, we have a lot of like North South because the lakes, you got the lakes running North and South we've got a lot of North South ridges. So this particular piece of property, the reason why I kind of want to point this out, the reason why I was so focused on a North wind is because the only two winds that we have, uh, or that I could really in this whole area that you can hunt that will be consistent and even worth focusing on is a North or a South, because those are the only true winds where you're not going to have them coming up over a hill or coming around a hill. Um, like our family property just down the road from where I'm, where I'm hunting on the state land. Um, we have a horrible time because the only good wind we can get is the same thing. It's North or South because you just get a lot of this swirling and it coming around or coming over the top. So that was the biggest point to me. So like talking about access, um, I went to the southernmost end of this piece of property right against the private so that my wind was blowing from the North, just blowing my wind off onto the private property, which, you know, from walking that boundary, there's nothing, there's a huge ravine and there's a house. So like, I'm not concerned about anything over there, not worried about it. So my game plan that day was to get the wife and kids off to work and daycare. And then it's an hour and a half drive for me, drive out there. So I'm not in a rush, perfect day. I'm just going to take my time. And I wanted, I had my buddy Connor with me, uh, new hunter, and I just wanted to get us into the action, you know? So our plan was we worked our way up that the, just on the, the public side of that ravine 
worked our way up and then just kind of started just poking our, and it was dead quiet. I mean, the, it wasn't dead quiet as far as wind, but the, it had rained overnight. So everything was quiet. So we were just, just sneaking up in there and right at the bottom of that brush, right exactly where I was expecting that us to get into something we jumped. I don't know if we jumped or if it was just a spike chasing doe. I think we jumped the doe and the spike was just, was hanging close to her, but we jumped these two deer and, and she was more concerned about the spike than she was us. And I was just like, Connor, it's working like we're here. So he had a climber. I'm like, just find, let's find you a tree right here. Let's get you up this tree. I'm going to work around and kind of get up to where I, where I envisioned me hunting that day. Um, so there's a lot to the story. It'd take me forever to tell it. Um, bottom line, I set him there and this is how the rut goes. You know, we jumped those deer. I, so we set him there. He didn't see a deer the whole rest of the day. <laughs> I, I couldn't, I couldn't get away from deer. That was just the way it worked. And he's like getting all in. He's a new hunter. He was very not dressed, very warm. Um, when he got there, I'm like, that's, that's what you've got today. I'm like, it's like 35 degrees. Like you don't have anything warm. Like that's the sort of cold that like freaking eats you right up. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I drop him and I'm, I'm a saddle hunter. So I got all my stuff and, and I'm just, I drop over and there's all these little nice little like drainages, these little Creek beds that get deep so you can kind of get down in them. So I got down in one of these Creek beds just to the South of where he was, uh, where Connor set up and I just started working up and I'm almost to the mouth of it to about where I wanted to go. And here comes, here comes a, a little, another little spike horn he's feeding downhill and he wants, he's trying to go down the hill in front of me. And he ended up coming across and getting my wind, didn't like it and circled around and went back up. So I'm like, okay, there's my tree. I got to get to it. So I get, I hustle up to my tree. I'm almost to the top and all hell breaks loose above me and there's deer running everywhere. And there was, there was two does and at least six bucks chasing, chasing those two does. And it was on, like, I was like, holy shit. I'm like, I'm freaking, we're right in it. Like, this is incredible. So I want, I got everything set up, get my bow pulled up. And of course, all the activity is up above me. Right. So I sat there for like an hour and a half, two hours. It's getting to be like one o'clock sun's coming up now or sun's out now. It's freaking gorgeous. Um, so I started breaking my stuff down. I'm glassing, watching nothing happening for a little while. So I start breaking my stuff down and first thing I do is lower my bow moving forward. That'll be the last thing I do. So I'm lowering my bow down and my bow gets to the ground and I start, I step down on my top stick. I take my platform off, put in my backpack, put my backpack on. And you know, you're just kind of like always scanning. I turn and look up the hill to where all that activity was. And here's a, I just see just beams glistening in the sun and I'm like, Holy shit. I'm like, that's a big buck. Pull my binos up and there's a big buck working this community scrape there um, with a doe standing right next to him. And the doe, she starts coming down this little ridge that comes down in front of me where that little buck had been when I was coming up. And so I, I've like shimmy down the tree and I leave the sticks up. I just shimmy down the tree and my bows at the bottom and it, there's three trunks. So I'm kind of like just kneeling in there. And, uh, this buck is following this doe right down the ridge. He's a gorgeous eight pointer. Um, probably it's like a three-year-old eight. He was bigger than the one I shot, um, later in the day. And he got 
he was coming. She was, she kept going. She went right past me and they were probably going to be about 40 yards is what I figured I had my shot opportunity. And, uh, and sure enough, like the, the wind out of the North died down and I could feel the thermal on the back of my neck and he stopped. He didn't blow. He didn't nothing. He just stopped and just turned and just walked right back up where he came from. Didn't make a scene, didn't blow nothing, you know? So I'm like, son of a bitch. I'm like, if I would have stayed up in that tree, who knows what would have happened. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Um, now were you getting down to move where all that activity was? Is is that the purpose of you lowering down at that time? Yes. Bingo. So I, I knew that there was a lot of activity up there and I knew from my scouting that that next, next flat up was right below where I had that trail camera, um, that cell cam with the mock scraper. I was getting all those pictures and I've been getting a ton of pictures over the last few days uh, that we're heading up and down the hill, right on the downside of that. And I'm right on the downside of that bedding area. And that's where this camera was. I was getting a lot of up and down activity throughout the day there. So I pack all my stuff up, I get everything together and I get down, I get back in that Creek bed and I work my way back up the hill. Um, and I, I, I took my time and I snuck up there, didn't bump anything. So I got about where I wanted to. And I just started angling. I got out into the open hardwoods and just started cutting straight, straight to the brush. Same thing. I'm climbing the tree. I, I get right to the top. Can't make this up. Here's, here's two bucks. Just come just standing there right on the outside of like 60 yards, just eating, not a care in the world. I'm like, I, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. So I get all set up and those two bucks kind of fed off. They fed back into the brush into that bedding area. And I'm like, this is wild. I'm like, there's a, there's a hot doe or two in here because these deer are just lingering. Like they're just, they don't want to leave this bedding area. Um, so it was probably, that was probably three 30 ish. Um, fast forward an hour and a half. And, uh, I had hit my, I don't know if I grunted or what I did, but out comes out all of a sudden, right out of the brush, right straight in front of me comes the A point I ended up shooting and he was on a beeline. He was headed South. Uh, coming right out of the brush and whether he heard my call or what he was on the move and everything happened very quickly as it always does. And, you know, I, I had a, a couple windows where I envisioned where there was good deer trails where I'd have shot opportunities. And he ended up, he was coming on the trail where he was going to end up coming like 15 yards. And for whatever reason, he came across a little Creek jumped across and starts heading South, but leaves the trail. And he starts like cutting almost kind of half, not, not quartering away, just slightly quartering away. And I'm like, shit, shit, shit. I'm like, he's getting away. I'm like, I'm, I'm going to miss my opportunity. And at this point, you know, I got the single pin. So I'm freaking spinning it back and forth. Like, is he going to be 30? Is he going to be 20? Is he going to be 30? So I finally just said, all right, screw it. I got to leave it on 30. And I think that's where he's going to end up. I had one window that I didn't plan to shoot through, but I was like, that looks like my best opportunity. And I'm full draw at this point. And he, he stops and, uh, and I let it rip and I shoot and the arrow is flying. It looks like it's going to go high. And then all of a sudden I just hear this pop, like, like sounds like lungs popping. And I'm like, Oh my God, I'm like, I, f- I freaking nailed him. And then he's just standing there looking around. Like he jumped and then like ran, like not even ran, just jumped and like trotted like five yards. And he's just like looking around. I pull my binoculars up and I'm grunting at him thinking like, I just missed him somehow. Like I heard what I heard, but I didn't see what I thought yeah. reaction would be. And, uh, I've got my binoculars on him. I'm not seeing any blood. 
I'm like, what the hell is going on? And then he starts like staggering around. I'm like, what the fuck is happening? I'm like freaking out. I'm like pissed at myself. I'm happy. I'm pissed. And, uh, and so he like goes and just goes down the hill like 10 yards and beds down. And I'm like, holy shit. So at this point I pull my phone out and, you know, doing the, you know, the Instagram hero thing. And uh, I'm like, holy shit, I just shot a buck. And then I look to my left and here comes a better buck. (laughs) And I swear to God, man, I have video of it. Can't lie. And he comes and he sees my buck and he gets all bristled up and starts walking sideways, walking at this buck. And he gets like not even five yards from him. He was, he was like right next to him. My buck's laying there and he's kind of looking around and he's like, got his head sideways. He's ready to freaking go at it with him. And all of a sudden my deer just goes, just just like tips over. And the other one's like, Holy shit. (laughs) And he like turns and goes right back where he came from. And I'm like, that is, that was wild. I've never seen that before. Dude. But what happened? I must, I had to have hit a branch and my arrow like came down. I've said this, it came down from the heavens and it clipped his windpipe like perfectly. Wow. And yeah. And he, you know, it was a minute and a half, two minutes. He bled out. And I, 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 I mean, I, I, there's no skill involved. I, it was an extremely lucky shot, but the, what I take away from that hunt that I'm super proud of is that I, I was, I did the scouting. I knew where to be. I made the decision to move where in the past I would have second guessed that and said, no, just be patient. Just stay there. I was like, screw it. I'm going after it. I don't have time. You know, like if, if I would have not shot that buck, I wouldn't have been there for Halloween. My wife would have been pissed, you know, trick or treating with the kids. Yep. So it's like, like when that buck hit, when he tipped over, it was like a thousand pounds off my shoulders because I had been working so hard mentally to get to that opportunity. And then it happened but it happened because of the things that I did. It didn't, you know, it didn't happen. I mean, the shot happened the way it did, but I put myself in that situation. Well, I like that Dimitri asked about, you know, what was your purpose of getting down? And it was to get closer to that movement. Like what, man, cause I battled with that almost every single day from Friday, Saturday and Sunday for three days. I battled that because when we would get set up, Dimitri was more up on, how would you describe that? Like from where you were compared to where I was, uh, you were kind of down in the, on the bottom of a ridge, uh, in the open hardwoods. And I was more up on the bench, uh, closer to the bedding area, uh, up on the hill. So like I was seeing a lot of activity just kind of like, it just seemed like the one day I would get set up and I would get maybe some doe working their way towards me, get close. And then it would just be just outside and a buck might've just scampered all through and chasing. And then, you know, just like you said, all heck breaks, breaks loose and you don't know where, what's going on. But then later on in the evening or later on in the day, I would see it happen and the same thing happening, but 70, 80 yards more. And I'm like, man, I could get down real quick and like get in there. And if they come back down, they'll be closer that way instead of maybe them coming back down and having to work another 70 yards, it's going to be too late by that point in time. So I wrestled with that man three different times. Uh, and it just seemed like I would mark it. And then the next day I would get to that spot and it just kept, I needed to keep doing that. Um, but you know, you just went for it. You just said like, and I think that's, again, it's probably something I heard from somebody else say, but 
I really think that's the beauty of, of the mobile hunting, whether you yeah. are a, a portable guy or if you're a saddle guy now. Um, but during the rut, don't kill yourself to get in there at, you know, five in the morning. It's like, that was probably, that was probably where everything started to go right for me is that I had no plan of the exact tree I was going to the exact spot I was going to. I just knew that I had the conditions in my favor for this type of situation. And I was going to hunt my way in until I saw the deer activity that I wanted to see and then hunt that. And that's the same way that you'd hunt with your gun. If you were hunting, you know, still hunting, you know, you're going to, you're going to still hunt with your gun until you find deer. And then you're either going to stalk them or you're going to, you know, shoot one as soon as you see them. So like so much of the way that so many people archery hunt, and this is, I wouldn't do this necessarily on our, I would on some of our private property, because you can be very strategic about depending on what the wind is doing or what the weather's doing, you can move in different ways that you could other times you couldn't, but on public land, what the hell do I have to lose? It's like, I'm going to, I'm going to go right at it. I know where the sign is. I know it's a Friday. I'm probably 99% sure I'm not going to be competing with anybody else. So I'm going to go, I'm just going right in there. You know, I'm going to kill him. And I think that's like, that's a confidence thing that, you know, I'm, over this last six, seven years, when I've really started shooting deer, like I'm in the, I'm in the killing phase of my hunting career where like every, every season, every hunt that something comes together, I just get more and more confident where I can just, I'm like, screw it. I've done this. Why am I, why am I holding myself back and being cautious? It's like, I want to go kill a deer today and just go do it. Um, but you have to get to that point. And I'm not here to say, I'm not shooting 130 inch bucks doing this but I'm having extremely exciting hunts and I'm coming home with something to put on the table. And that's what I'm, I'm after right right now. You know, maybe in a few years I'll be more concerned about, you know, a a score, but right now my score is how many pounds are in the freezer, you know? (laughs) Well, and I think that that story brought two good points too, is, is one, you, you did jump a couple bucks walking in there. You, you had the two spikes that you kind of, uh, you know, not necessarily spooked, but, but kind of were aware that you were there going in. And then once you got down that, that nice, nice buck, when you move in the second time, uh, kind of caught you a win as well. And I, I think that also brings up a point of don't get frustrated, especially during the rut. If that happens, you know, just yeah. because when you have a hot doe and, and, you know, whether that deer spots you or not, I mean, it can quickly turn you know it might not be the same deer but there could be several other bucks in there that that don't know that you're there right and have how many times have you heard people talk about the personalities of deer that deer was like oh i don't like that i'm out here then then the next deer could be the king shit of that mountain and just come walking down like he doesn't care you know what i mean like that that's that's excellent and that's and that's why i think during the rut i think it's so important to know your does you know, yeah. no, because those does are the ones that live there 24 seven. They aren't migrating from this area. I mean, you get into maybe some, some big mountainous with some crazy snow, they might physically leave the area, but it's like, if I know what the does are doing when, they, when it's time for her to get bread, she's going to want to be in her safest spot. She's right. going to want to be in the best thicket, the best bedding area. And the bucks know that too. So you might as well put yourself in that position to be right where the, where she wants to be, you right. know? And if you bump her, that's not the worst thing either. At least you know where she is. You know, she's going to want to stay there. It's her comfort zone. So 
I like it, man. Hunting the yeah. condition and know your does. Let's, I yeah. mean, two, two heck of a great points. And then I, like you said, being mobile is just like you said, whether you're saddle hunting, being, you know, in, in a climber, whatever it is, just, you know, having that confidence in your, in yourself and your equipment to get up in an efficient way. And, and that's by that point in time too, depending on how much you've been hunting, uh, with your setup that year, I mean, that like for me, it just seemed like it, like if that, like, that's why I kept guessing myself. Cause I'm like, man, I, if I could see, sneakily get to that spot, I know I could get up in a tree within 10 minutes. You know right. what I mean? Like it's or nothing quicker. now with these right. saddles. It's like, yeah. Hmm. Instead of like taking sticks down and steps and yeah, wraps, it's like, no, it's freaking simple. Yeah. You have, again, just to backtrack rarely, any pressure when it comes to archer season when it comes to gun season though you are facing more so and that's the same thing too i mean we we dive into that with archery and we dive into that with rifle as far as the the public land that we hunt like again where do, where are people going how could we hunt these deer differently so what what did you end up doing then for for rifle yeah so what i had experienced um in the previous two years so the first year i went in there my brother and I hunted that opening day together and we're, we hadn't seen any sign of people during archery. So we're like, man, this is going to be a freaking gold mine. There's so many deer in here. We're going to freaking just shoot giant bucks. And here we are opening day. And this is state land, like no four wheeler, no motorized vehicles, nothing. It's not even, I mean, it, Jimmy and I left the trucks early and, uh, this is, it's not really that important to the story, but it's like, there was a bunch of snow that year. We got a snowstorm before opening day and guys were just ripping four wheelers all over. <laughs> I mean, there was guy, it was hunters everywhere doing deer drives, driving four wheelers. It was the freaking opening wild day. West. They're, they're going nuts. Oh, yeah. God. So like that very quickly made it obvious. Okay. We're going to have to hunt this place different, uh, especially on opening day. But I've probably, so the last three years I've hunted their opening day and it's been the best three, three open days I've ever had because there's people moving the deer. And most of the areas where we hunt, uh, on the private land, especially everybody walks to their stand, sits there and then walks out, you know, there's no pressure anymore. So getting on into these areas, I'm like seeing all this pressure. I'm like, okay, noted. Like this is where they're coming from. And this is what I'm seeing the deer do. So the first couple of years, both those first opening days, uh, year one and year two, I shot a doe each, each day. Um, so I was just, I was feeling good about the property, feeling good about that. W what I saw the deer doing, um, on opening day. So then this year, what my game plan was, is that I had found, I was telling you guys how I'd been marking these rub lines, right? Mm -hmm. So I'd found this, uh, this rub line that came out of the North side of that bedding area and went all the way across this kind of open, the open top of this hill. It's like a, an Oak top. There's like, it's a kind of a defined, if you look at a top on map, kind of like a defined top, uh, where the elevator, everything drops off from it. And then it goes off into hemlocks and down into this like impassable ravine. Okay. Um, and there's, so I started honing in on this. My dad and I were hiking there a couple of winters ago. It's probably the winter of 2020 and dad and I, did a loop around the edge of this hemlock and we realized and i started i found that there's literally i mean it's your perfect pinch point 
it's the hemlocks obviously give you give the deer the seclusion and the comfort and the thermal cover so you kind of know it's it's something that the deer are going to like when the weather's inclement but you have these paths out of the property that are extremely like reduced down to you know 10 yards in, in width because there's a finger ridge that goes down into this ravine to get off of this property so if these deer are knowing where they were getting pressure on opening day from the neighbors from the people on the own property bordering it coming on and doing their deer drives or whatever they're doing they were pushing the deer and if any deer wanted to get off of that property and get away from that pressure and there's some property that is archery only on the other side of the valley if they if the deer want to get there they have to go this one way there's only one way in one way out so in my mind i'm like this is this is the freaking ticket you know I, but i hadn't exercised it yet i had i had but i'd looked at the sign there was like just historical buck rubs there was some there was a great rub i found the first year i was hunting there that really caught my attention so it's kind of in the back of my mind and i'd seen this this path you know because of the the points that i was putting on the map from the rubs and drawing this rub line where I, I set up kind of the plan. So I had my buddy Connor with me again and my buddy Jeff. It was my buddy Jeff's first opening day. So I put him in a spot where he was up on top of that, of that oak top where it was fairly open so he could see a lot. So, if, you know, if you put him down in the hemlocks, you can't see shit. It's like, right. you know, you might only see one deer all day and it might be the deer you're going to shoot, you know? So I wanted him to be an opportunity where he could see stuff. So I put him up there and I put my buddy Connor at another escape route because this, this ravine comes up and it splits off and it's in the corner of the property. I guess that's important to say is that you've got like, I'm looking for areas, like I was saying that are kind of, kind of be like tough to get to for other people or the hardest for somebody that wants to hunt this, if they're hunting it from the public. And this is the furthest point, the furthest corner of the property and it borders private and a piece of public, but you can only archery hunt it. So I kind of know what I'm up against there. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I put Connor over there at the other point. So you had Connor, me, and then Jeff above us. And we kind of had this little triangle there. So anything that was going to get pushed from all the people that I knew where they had been traveling, the hunters on opening day in past years, I knew that if I, if I had us three positioned this way, we were going to, somebody was going to get an opportunity at something and hopefully a good buck. So we get up there, uh, bright and early we got a real good start opening morning got up there in the dark got jeff to his spot connor funny enough he did not go anywhere where i wanted him to go so i wanted him to cross the top of the connor go around the you know around the ravine and he didn't he stayed on the same side i did he was not very far from me at the end of the day but he wasn't where he was supposed to be but if he was he probably who knows what he would have had action with so sun comes up it's, you know, I don't know. It was, it was right around seven 30 when I shot the buck, but like right before that I heard something below me. And so where I was sitting, I was in, I was right at the top of this one way in one way out that I'm talking about. And I could kind of see in the hemlocks, I was down probably 40, 50 yards into the hemlocks from the, from the open hardwoods. Um, and I could see down really well into the ravine where there was a little bit of a flat area where the, if the deer came up, out of the ravine actually wanting to come onto this property, they could either come straight up to me or they would come across and get onto this little bench below me. And I'd have great shooting down there too. So I was sitting at this spot where I could see and shoot almost three. I basically could shoot 360. 360. Yeah. But I was on the ground. I wasn't elevated. 
because I didn't want to get up with the, with the hemlocks. And so I hear something below me and here comes a coyote comes up and it stopped and side safety off. I'm like, shit, I'm gonna shoot a coyote. It's a big one on opening day. I'm like, sweet, you know? And I, for whatever reason, better judgment. I'm like, just relax, Bill. I'm like, it's seven 30 and opening day in a spot that you've been excited to hunt. You don't need to freaking pull the trigger yet. So, I mean, it wasn't five minutes later and I, you know, you're just kind of doing your natural scanning, but I, I had heard a branch snap and I turned and looked up to where I, where I'd heard it. And it was right in this path that I had marked this rub line in this, there's a, I see a buck standing there and he's coming down into the hemlocks. Um, from the open hardwoods down into the hemlocks to come down in exactly what I had anticipated him to do. So when he was looking at me or he was looking downhill and I could see his right side and he had short time. So I wasn't, my first impression was I'm not shooting. Um, cause I really was after I had shot that buck, I did with my bow. He was just a, probably a, I don't know if he's a two year old, he might've just been a good yearling, the buck I shot with my bow. So I was kind of holding out and he, for whatever reason, he turned and started to kind of go back where he came from, whether he, I don't think he smelled me. I know he didn't see me. Um, he starts turning. And when he turns, I see how he was, he's 18 wide inside. And I was like, Oh, that's, that's the wide one. Cause I had gotten a picture on the camera a week before of a buck I'd never seen before. That was very wide, kind of like came out and just like went like straight out right. and straight out. Didn't have super long times, but he was, he was a beautiful wide buck, had a great body on him and, uh, didn't even, I mean that at that point it was like, didn't even think twice. Yeah. And he, he was in this opening is 80 yards and I just put it right, right on, right on his shoulder and shot. And he just dude, just night, night, just didn't flinch, literally fell and just died, just head down. And I hit him top high shoulder and I'm like, it's over. It's done. <laughs> like, holy shit, seven thirty opening morning. Like, this is terrific. Yeah. Exactly how I drew it up. So I ended up going up there to him and I'm processing him. So I, my game plan was to quarter him out, especially being as early as it was in the morning. I was going to quarter him and keep hunting with those guys, try to get them something. So Connor and Jeff come over, we take pictures. They're all excited. Um, their first opening day, you know, it was really just a cool, all three of us went to high school together. So it was a really cool experience with them. And I'm excited because I've got three guys. There are two, two extra hands to help me freaking quarter this deer up. Right. <laughs> and they're both, I'm like, uh, all right, let's get to work. And, uh, and I could see it in both their faces. They're like, can, can we just go hunting? I was like, do you guys want to just go hunt? And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's just, yeah, we just want to go hunting. I'm like, okay. So they head off and, um, I am just always prepared when you're in the woods, you just never know when the next opportunity is going to present itself. Anything, you know, I could shoot a bear. I could shoot another, I could shoot a doe. So I'm in this like perfect little depression where he died. Um, ironically, I posted that video about a month ago, right where he died, there was just buck rubs everywhere. Like every tree that could be rubbed was rubbed. So that was a path that bucks take for a purpose, you know, whether it's, it's betting to food and breeding or what, whatever it is, this is a path. It was like, everything came together. So I will be back there again someday, but I'm, I'm sitting there and I keep hearing stuff, but it's dry. 
and there's squirrels eating acorns. And I keep kind of, I would take a minute, put my knife down, pick my gun up, kind of peek over off the other sides of this little bowl I'm in. So, but sure as shit, like an hour and a half after, after those guys leave, I'm, I'm kind of just getting done with the, with his back straps. And, uh, and I hear something like, like it's deer coming. I could tell it was a lot more noise than a squirrel. And here comes two does and about 65, 70 yards, wide open hardwoods, broadside. And they just stopped like perfect. And the first one was, it was a big doe. And I'm like, I'm like, that's gotta be a button buck. Like, there's no way that's a, that's a doe. I put the scope on her head and there's no buttons. I'm like, okay. And I just slide it right down to the shoulder. Oh, and she freaking dumps right there. She didn't go anywhere. I'm like, holy fuck. I'm like, it's too near dad. I'm like, it's not even 11 o'clock at this point. So that was, that was incredible. So I got done with the buck, cleaned him up. And it was just, it was like probably one of probably my most memorable opening day. Just thinking about it in the fact where I took my time. I, I had the, I had two deer. I was in no rush. Those guys were hunting, having a good time. So I got the buck all cleaned up and I went, hung him up in the tree in the bags. And I, I went and cleaned the doe up, propped her up on a log so she could air out a little bit. And, uh, and I come back, pack up my pack. I had everything in there. I had the whole buck. Um, and I use the, the Kafaru bag. Um, I got what well, Kafaru set up. I've got the striker, um, I was so impressed with how well that bag performed with putting, I had the whole buck in the head, um, my entire, all of my gear for the day. And I was planning on being out all day. So I had food, I had, I had extra clothes. I had my saddle, my sticks, everything. So I don't know what it all weighed. It doesn't match much matter. It was a lot. It weighed a lot, but I, I humped that down the hill and it was, you know, it's basically straight downhill from there. So I get, I get almost back to my truck and I didn't know, but Connor had left and he went over to his, he has 30 acres down the road. He's never shot a deer or he had only shot one deer and it was with me. He ends up shooting a doe and he doesn't know what to do. He's never gutted a deer by himself. So it's a 15 minute drive for me and I'm almost to the bottom of the hill. So I, I, I go over to him. I, I get back to the truck. I hang the meat by the trailhead, drive to him, gut his deer drive back and it's four o'clock and I have to hump back up to the very top of the hill again, get your dough and, and drag the dough. To, and I wasn't going to quarter her at this point. I'm a dragger. And, um, I got up there at about, uh, about took me about 35, 40 minutes. I got up there and I'll tell you what, anybody that runs a Kafaru, you need to try. If you are, it doesn't matter if you're a saddle hunter or not, take your, if you're a saddle hunter, take your tether, and take your carabiner and clip it to the, to the handle on the bottom of whatever bag you're using your, whatever Kafaro bag I'm using the striker. It's got the grab handle on the bottom, the greatest dragging apparatus I've ever used in my entire life. I hooked to that dough and it was just full steam ahead and you got both your hands free. You're not getting tired. And that belt is so freaking strong that yeah. like it was just effort. I mean, it was tough, but it was effortless really. I mean, dragging a deer sucks ass. All these people that are like, yeah, we fucking shot one four miles and dragged it. It's like, are you an idiot? Yeah. Like, <laughs> order the damn thing and carry it. It's like, yeah. this yeah. is, but I ended up getting back to the truck at five, at, at uh, 5 PM 
And I was like, holy shit, that was a day. I was like that, you know, shooting two deer, packing them up, you know, getting them out on my own 12 hours in the woods. I was like, that was, that slept was an good opening that day. Night. You slept good that night. Yeah. And then I, and then my wife wanted me to come home because I already shot two deer. Yeah. But you're helping. So I, drove, I drove an hour and a half home. So I didn't get home till like nine and I hang up the deer, but memories, man. Now, now what you found out when you were hunting rifle, is, is that a spot that you would go in maybe this coming year and scout it out as, as an archery spot of what you found out at that point in the season? Or is it just something that maybe you're going to just go back during that rifle area because that's what you like uh, based off the pressure that is in that area at that time? fantastic question um so i don't think that this year i'll i'll try to hunt archery there um i think i'm going to try to play the long game with that spot um so i put a camera up there a few weeks ago uh maybe a month ago down on that on that run like or on that that spine ridge where it's like super narrow where i can catch everything that's going up and down so my goal is i had a camera there two years ago um, the camera, I didn't mount it high enough up on the tree. And because of how steep it is and how little area there is for the deer to run, I actually had a deer hit the camera and it spun the camera sideways. And it was kind of like pointing at this point up in the air. And I was getting, I'll say, I'll show you guys the pictures next weekend. I was getting a freaking giant on camera throughout the month. I think it was the month of September every morning, every night. Every morning, every night, this buck was, I mean, he's huge, probably, I don't know, 145, 150 inch buck. Wow. Biggest buck I've ever like probably had consistent camera pictures of. And, but that camera spun and I lost everything. I was so excited. I went back in in January to get that camera. because I wanted to see what happens in there during the rut. I don't, I think it'll be very hard to know exactly what goes on in there. I think it would be fun to, hunt down in close to where I was sitting when I shot that buck, because I, I could have opportunity depending on which way the deer want to go. And I'm sure during the rut, that's a very heavily used corridor for bucks to get from one property to the other checking does. Yeah. So I'm sure that's a good spot, but I have so many spots right now because I'm scouting all this stuff and I'm finding all these different areas that like I, now I'm getting to the point where I just want like high percentage opportunity hunts where I, I don't want to have to put 60 days in the stand. I want to be able to do it in 20, 25 days and have my five, six deer in the freezer. That's what I want to do. Yeah. But I, I want to kind of start stepping my age class up and I've progressively been getting better and better each buck I shoot, you know, depending on the scenario, like it, I'm not shooting a bigger buck every time, but I want to start getting to that bigger age class, but I want to kind of, I don't want it to hinder my, my production either. You know what I mean? Cause if yeah. I, the more opportunities I put myself in, the more deer I kill, the more confident I'll be. And when I have those opportunities, those bigger deer, I won't blow them like I have in the past, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but that's my game plan there is I, I'm going to let that camera soak. I'll probably go back and check it in August or beginning of September just to make sure the batteries are good or just put a new set of batteries in and then just let it run for the rest of deer season and kind of see, because I really do. I, I think it could be, a freaking incredible archery spot, you know, even just creating like a little ground blind to sit in with that ravine at my back. So I know that the only thing that is behind me is that, right. You know, that might be a good way to hunt it, but I don't know. It's a, it's a really cool area. 
but like now I'm finding myself like I've had success in a couple of these spots and I know that especially with the consistency that I've had, I mean, almost every hunt I've gone into this place at some point it, it's going to dry up. I know it will because people are either going to find out about it from listening to my dumbass talk about it on podcasts, <laughs> something, but I want to like, I like it's noted accomplished here. Like I want to find some other spots either on that same Ridge on that same piece of property. Like there's more adventure to be had. Right. You know what I mean? It's like you put the pieces together and it comes together and it's like, eh, I kind of want to try something else. You right. know? Yeah, absolutely, man. Good stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I mean, makes me excited. I'm ready for deer season now. Yeah. I, w- I would just say like for anybody out there, every time you go in the woods, you know, there's, there's lessons to be learned and there's, you cannot, I really do think that like everybody out there who's using these apps, whether it be base map or Onyx, like m- mark it down because your, your memory is not going to be as good as what that device is going to tell you. And you can have freaking, you know, GPS located sign and you can go back and look at that and put your hunt plans together to be able to go back in there whenever you have the opportunity and just make it happen. So, and there isn't a, there's no, in most of these situations I'm finding, especially on public land, there's no like coincidence why the deer are there. Like they're there because that's where they hang, you know, and you can just strategically go right after them and make it happen. If you know where they're hanging is kind of what I'm, what I'm learning and finding. Now, a lot of people wrapping up turkey season, they're going to be starting to head out in the woods, do a lot of scouting, get some trail cameras up. You know, you talked about going out and, and, and finding and putting piecing together these properties and looking for certain things now that you've kind of learned over the years. Besides the obvious of, of trying to find bedding areas, maybe give someone one or two things that they should be really looking for uh when they're kind of scanning these whether it's their own property or this public land of things that they should be looking for when they're um trying to get an idea of where to hunt for this coming fall um i mean i think it depends on the type of property you're hunting you know i think if you're hunting ag and it's a lot of it's the same if you're hunting ag land um, with like block timber, or if you're hunting more like big woods, like, like we are, um, I think the best thing that I'm finding is finding edge, you know, so find where you've got a change in, whether it's a change in the type of trees, whether you got a pine thicket to, a to hardwoods, or you've got just some thicker undergrowth next to, um, open hardwoods or like you have all these, all this stuff and all the clear cuts and things in New York is starting to do a bunch of that, which is really exciting. Some selective cutting. So like find edge. And then that's kind of where I'm starting with a lot of this is like, I'll find edge and then I'll focus and try to find paths, you know, travel corridors in and out of there. And especially, um, historical buck rubs. I love finding historical buck rubs. And I think that's something that probably got from my dad. Um, but like, you know, going for a walk with him, like he'll always point out like, Oh, look at man. Those are, those are buck rubs from that tree was rubbed 10 years ago, you know? So you start finding those areas where there's like rubs year after year after year, that's going to tell you that that's a pretty good consistent area to hunt. And that might be a good place to put a camera up, but you may not get that information and that sign being created until September, October, November. Right. So 
don't get, don't fall in love with that. You know, I guess what you find during the summer, don't fall overly in love with that because there's no guarantee that that's where they're going to be come time to hunt them. Um, the other thing I would recommend, you know, talking about plotting stuff on the map is, you know, walk your property and turn your, just walk on, walk on deer trails, like make it a point to stay on a deer trail and, you know, turn it on and walk that trail from one side of your property to the other, and then find another one and walk that one and then go back and look at it on a computer. And you'll be pretty amazed to see how defined the deer's travel patterns are. And then if you go back and think about your experiences on that property, you'd be like, damn, like that's exactly what I've seen, but I guess I didn't know why they were doing what they were doing. So I would say, you know, finding old sign, finding edge, and then, you know, start marking down what you're seeing so that you can go back and do some scouting without actually disturbing your woods or your fields or whatever it is that you're hunting, you know, hunt smarter, not harder. And that was the theme of my entire season. I mean, I've never hunted so little, but I, you know, I've really never had more success. I, I, I hunted less, but had just the same amount of production. So. I love it, man. Good stuff. Well, Bill, I want to, I, one of the things I wanted to talk about uh, in the beginning that I kind of skipped over was, uh, you know, I just want to say thank you for having that nice little, uh, NDA membership thing that you did. I mean, obviously you had that shed fest t-shirt, you know, to go along with that. And we talked about that on your podcast, uh, like that, that time, but, uh, it's been nice getting the magazine in. I actually, got it in yesterday and I even told Dimitri about it today. I'm like, man, it's, it's good stuff. And so appreciate you, uh, setting that up for everybody. Yeah, man. Yeah. We've really enjoyed, uh, we've kind of found our little niche in what we're doing, um, with trying to just get involved and get engaged with the community and helping out, you know, helping out our local organizations. And, you know, this has been a tough, uh, last 12 months, 12, 15 months for these organizations. And, some of them have have changed a little bit and, you know, we've seen some people come and go that, that hurts because there's a lot of good people that have lost their jobs and their careers because of COVID. But, you know, these organizations, um, they need, they need support. They need membership because that's the only way that they can get things done. And I would say, you know, I've learned a lot about what happens, what goes on, uh, in politics over the last, I think we all have over the last year and a half. And I think if we don't get engaged as a hunter, a base of hunters, what, whatever your thing is, you know, whether it's deer, whether it's turkeys, whether it's upland birds, um, whatever, you know, find out who the organization is that supports who you are as a person and an outdoors person and get involved, you know, it could just be a membership or maybe it's going to events or volunteering time. Because if we're not, if, if people shit in this country gets done by people that are doing things. And a lot of times we're all so busy that we don't put our time out there. We don't try to do something and it could be done a million different ways, but there's people that don't want us to have the lifestyle that we have. They legitimately don't want us to be able to hunt and gather for our families. And that's who we are. That's our heritage. You know, that if I didn't have hunting right now, I'm sure I'd find something else, but I don't want to know what that would be because it's everything to myself and my family. So, you know, if we don't, if we don't all kind of start actively getting involved, not saying it's like, this is like doom and gloom, but it's like people get shit gets done by people doing things. And if we aren't all doing things and trying to make a difference and, 
and improve things moving forward, then what the hell is there going to be for our kids that we want to live the same lifestyle that we have? Yeah. So good stuff, man. Well, Bill, where could people find out about Pertinier Outdoors? Uh, on Instagram, Facebook, pretty much everything we do is on Instagram and just gets shared over to Facebook, but, uh, Pertinier Outdoors podcast on Instagram and same thing. Uh, that's the name of our podcast, Pertinier Outdoors podcast. We just change that up a little bit because I think we were maybe confusing people with, it's hard to explain when we had a social media channel and also a podcast that was a different name. So we tried to Blog simplify talk. that a little bit. So yeah, people check us out. We're we're New York based guys, uh, Western New York primarily, but we try to talk a lot about what's going on here in New York as well as down. Now uh, we do hunt in PA for a few days out of the, out of the year and ransack your woods and try to bring some bucks. Home, so. Yeah. Shoot all our deer. Hey man, well, uh, you know, thanks again for coming on. Great stories, great topics, great information. And, uh, Man, I'm I'm looking forward to it to uh, a couple of days. Just like I said, when this sucker airs on Wednesday, uh, we will be at TAC Friday evening. So uh, when you see us again, if you mention this podcast, you will get uh, some stickers and who knows, maybe a, a membership to OnX and maybe some other goodies. Just because uh, you know, like I said, we greatly appreciate your support. So uh, all right, check Bill out and uh, what he has going on with Pertinier Outdoors. Thank you for listening. Till next time, antler up. Do it for Jim. Do it for Jim. (laughs) (laughs) And that's a wrap for another episode of the Antler Up podcast. Thank you, Bill, for coming on. Go check out Pertinier Outdoors. They have some amazing stuff going on, doing it for all the right reasons. Great people. I'm ecstatic to hang out with them this weekend. So, yeah, check them out. Thanks again, Bill, for coming on. Can't wait to do another one, buddy. Till next time, everybody, shoot straight. Get those brownie points. Get those trail cams, food plots, all that stuff, because that's what we're about to be doing. But until then, see you on the the mountain. Antler up.